Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I have our friend Colonel Jeff McCausland, uh, security expert for CBS and here at the DGS, joins us again. Colonel, thank you so much for being with us on a Monday. Great to be with you. So uh, I have some specific questions, and I'm going to let you kind of take it from there and tell us what you know and, and what's meaningful to you. But with this latest attack, we lost you know three soldiers, others injured, tying it uh, back to Iran, of course. My first question, never having served a day in, in uniform, so I, don't, I know nothing about nothing. But I don't like that it feels so relatively easy to get to us and hurt us. Do you agree with that, or is that just my ignorance, and and this is just the way the game is played, Dave? Well, I wouldn't call you ignorant for sure, but I think that getting to us easily is, is not exactly correct. Uh, look at it this way. There have been 160 attacks conducted against U.S. bases in Iraq and Syria since the 17th of October by various Iraqi groups, most notably the one we think perpetrated this one, a group called Qatab Hezbollah. And almost in all those cases, most of those were frustrated. We have suffered a few injuries. All the soldiers, to the best of my knowledge, but a couple that were injured were uh, uh, returned to duty. Uh, so this is the first time this has resulted, frankly, in such casualties on this scale. Now, that being said, for, uh, I have feared for a long time that eventually something like this would happen. Because, again, if you keep doing something like this over and over and over, one of these gunners are going to get lucky or they're going to, do it at the right time, which could have happened here, or they're going to figure out a way to deliver the ordinance. Eventually, they're going to get lucky if you keep it up. But so far, we have really frustrated their attacks uh, largely since they began. And the vast majority of the missiles that have been fired by the Houthis, for example, in Yemen against commercial shipping in the Red Sea and at Israel, the vast majority of them have been shot down and rendered harmless. A couple have impacts gotten through, but I think it does suggest that hitting us uh, is not easy technologically. Now, it is easy, you could say, because if you look across the Middle East, we have a substantial number of bases. I think the total is about 25,000 or more U.S. military forces in the region, about 2,500 in Iraq, about 800 or so in Syria, this base in Jordan, about 350. So by having those various bases, if you will, scattered around like islands all across the Middle East, puts them in you know geographic proximity where they do travel in harm's way. Help me understand, uh, Colonel, because I know that there is obviously there, there's always a military part of it and there's always a diplomatic part of it. There's always a political part of it. And the politics, uh, people on the right are saying, well, this is because Joe Biden is just so weak and no one's afraid of us anymore and X, Y, Z. 
That doesn't bother me so much because we're in a presidential election year. What does kind of get to me is when uh, Secretary of State Blinken comes out and the first thing he says is, now look, uh, I just want everyone to know we're not looking to escalate anything here. As a smart guy, I get it. As a former lawyer, I get it. Uh, but I also get pissed off. And I, I don't like that we just come right out and say, like, look, we're not going to hurt you too bad. Don't worry about it. Um, again, is it just my not being a professional? Because I, I don't want someone to come out and say, hey, we're going to turn that into glass, but maybe something in the middle. Well, let me take this in, uh, in, in two parts. The first part that you know doesn't bother you if all these politicians say, yeah, let's go ahead and strike Iran. Well, it bothers me a lot, frankly, because the vast majority, if not most of these guys, have never served in uniform and never smelled gunpowder being fired, Will never have never had a child who served in uniform, never will have a child who served in uniform. And so they're just scoring cheap political points with their base about threatening to take on the Iranians, start a major war in the region, which would stretch from the Mediterranean to the Iranian border, and end up killing hundreds of thousands of people, a large number of them would be Americans. Now, that could end up being the result, and that might be appropriate. But I think it's kind of loose lips on the part of some people that know very little about this. And I just wish they'd go back to work and pass a budget for FY24. And we're in the second quarter of FY24 right now. So enough about that. As far as Mr. Blinken's comments, yeah, I might, in fact, agree with you there, to tell you the truth, that you don't telegraph your punches. That's one of the first rules of negotiations. But that being said, Blinken, as the State Department, now the diplomatic lead, uh, is, if you will, talking to a whole bunch of different constituencies. He's certainly speaking to the constituency of our adversary. Iran and these particular groups, yeah, and that might send the wrong message. He's speaking to our allies. He's speaking to people in the so-called global south who are curious why we're upset that Iran is supporting Hezbollah in these groups, but it's okay for us to spend vast amounts of military assistance to Israel, and that's okay. They draw that kind of equivalency, which I would argue with, but they draw that particular equivalency. And it's also speaking to the audience of our allies, because if we get involved in a major conflict in the Middle East, we'd like them to be on our side in the process. Um Colonel, following up uh, another sort of philosophic question here, but I've always wondered this, uh, that in any conflict, in any firefight, in any war, you're going to have to err on one side or the other. You're going to have to err on the side of, look, we could decimate them, but let's hold back. Let's not make this any worse. Or you could err on the side of, let's teach them a lesson, what happens when you mess with the bull. In your time in the military, has that training, and I understand Different officers do it different ways and different situations call for different measures. But the sure. overall effect, you know, World War Two, let's go get them. Shock and awe, let's go get them. Has that changed much overall in your experience? Well, I think it has changed a bit because we're talking a very nuanced, again, conflict. And we really do not want a major conflict across the region. I think, frankly, both Democrats and Republicans would agree with that. And the Biden administration, I think, has been trying to walk that fine line of providing military assistance to Israel, which was attacked, while at the same time damping down the possibilities of that escalation in its dealings, not only with these groups, but also with other attacks like the Houthis striking out at commercial shipping. I mean, the bottom line is this. It's always easy to start a war. That's really pretty easy. Just do a major attack on somebody's capital, and next thing you know, you'll be in a major conflict. <clears throat> Ending those things is the problem, and that we saw vividly played out to us in our invasions in Iraq and Afghanistan. Hopefully that's tempered our thinking in that regard. 
So if the administration right now to take a tempered approach uh, and thinking through, first of all, who really did this? Probably Qatab Hizbullah, let's get into our intelligence and make sure that's true. Where are they right now? How can we hit them really hard? And I want us to do that in a fashion that does them real damage and hopefully sends that message to them that you don't want to do this again. And furthermore, send a similar message to the Iranians. Does that demand perhaps a direct attack on Iran? It might, but you can always do that. You can always do that. We don't need to do that necessarily right now, perhaps. And that's why I think taking a day or so and making it a measured response, positioning the forces that you've got is appropriate. And don't forget, as I said before, we got these islands of U.S. forces scattered throughout the Middle East. You could call these small Alamos or small Fort Apaches. If we even do a major escalation, all of those troops are a lot more vulnerable than they are right now. And we've got to figure out a way to defend them if they're attacked further, extract them if, if things get really bad. And that becomes a major, major military operation. If you're just joining us, we're talking to our friend Colonel Jeff McCausland, a security expert for CBS and uh, here us at KMOX. Um, everything keeps coming back to Iran. And I know that Iran is very good at propaganda, misinformation, fighting through proxies. But if and when we do go toe-to-toe with Iran, I really don't have any idea of their capabilities. Can you kind of educate us about that, both on the ground and possibly nuclear? Sure. Yeah. Uh, first of all, we have to understand these groups are Iranian-backed. That doesn't necessarily mean Iranian-directed. And what do I mean by that? They're Iranian-backed. They're provided military hardware. They're provided training. Worthy drones, perhaps produced in Iran, very likely, with munitions aboard that particular drone, manufactured in Iran, possibly, though there's a lot of manufacturing all throughout the region of explosives and the like. So they provide that kind of assistance, money, et cetera. Uh, but they're not necessarily directed. I don't think necessarily Tehran sent out an order to these guys and said attack that base because it's vulnerable and see how many Americans you could kill. Uh, I still believe, as does the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the Iranians like managed chaos. They like the pressure being put on the United States, which now has resulted in our negotiations with the Iraqis about a timeline for us to withdraw from Iraq, a major goal, oh, by the way, of Iran for many, many years to get us out of the region. But I don't think they necessarily want to go toe-to-toe with the great Satan because they realistically, through all their rhetoric, know what that might look like. And they're having enough problems their own at home with internal terrorist attacks, with a domestic economy that's in the shatters, with a new, with a new revolution a couple of years ago internally. they got their own problems uh, internally. So I don't think they're necessarily ready to do that. As far as their capabilities go, they do not, to the best of my knowledge, have a nuclear weapon. Uh, they're moving in the direction of trying to develop one, it appears, but they have not crossed the threshold of a nuclear test for a warhead and the ability to deliver it. So put that to one side. Mm-hmm. They have a very, very antiquated and weak air force, without a doubt. But they have a large number of longer-range missile systems, just demonstrated one the other day, in firing in response to these terrorist attacks and struck Syria. They also struck Pakistan and others. Part of that was hopefully to demonstrate they're still powerful in the eyes of their population. Part of that was to demonstrate this new capability for sale, I think, to possible purchasers. They have a lot of long-range missile systems that could strike out. Geographically, based on their naval presence, short-range missiles, anti-ship missiles and the like, they could probably pretty well close down the Straits of Hormuz for the export of oil and natural gas coming out of there. And if they did that, well, you might think see the price of oil bump, bump up to about $150 
a barrel almost overnight. Now, directly, that does not affect the United States because of our domestic production, but it affects our economy more broadly because it harms Chinese economy, Japanese economy, Korean economy, all the European economies. So they could certainly do that with the military capabilities they have. And then finally, of course, they could uh, re-motivate even further all the proxies they've got, Houthis in Yemen. They could uh, encourage Hezbollah and southern Lebanon to expand the attacks they're already doing against Israel. They have another major war going on there. As not, and not only that, of course, but expand the number of attacks on our forces all across the region. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 